Welcome to the Beef Watch Podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch Podcast, we're going to be discussing an article from the April issue of the Beef Watch newsletter titled Understanding Scours. To discuss this topic, I'm joined today by Dr. Lindsay Walker Mead, who's a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator and Veterinarian. Thanks for joining me today. I'm happy to be back, Aaron. So as we think about spring and we think about calving, this is the time of year when often one of the major issues that cow-calf producers fight, especially in the first few weeks of life, is scours. Help us understand what's going on with scours in these new calves and what are some management practices we can think about to minimize the risk of it? Yes. Yeah, so, um, uh, scours. <laughs> This is, um, you know, as a, as a veterinarian and as a cattle producer myself, it's, it's just something that's always on your mind. You get through those, that, that, you know, that first 24 hours of calving, that stress, and then you have to really watch, you know, if, if these babies are going to get sick. So scours is just another term for diarrhea. So that's what we're talking about is calf diarrhea. I tried to find a, a current, and there's probably a more current uh, NOMS data that came out, but I did find one from 1997, and I think it's probably still very, very relevant now, but 2.4% of all calves that were under three weeks of age in the United States were suffering from diarrhea or a scours outbreak. And so I think we see it more than we want to, obviously, but the reason we see it is important to understand how to prevent it. So we kind of talked about this in the article, but um, the way scours start is wherever you're calving, um, there is potential bugs or pathogens that are going to be in the environment that may not affect your cows because your cows have maybe previously been exposed to them or their immune system is better obviously than a calf. And so they are not showing any clinical signs of having a problem. So as the first calves are born, there is potential for shedding or something already in the environment, such as coccidia, cryptosporosis. Those are little protozoa that can live in the, in the environment for years. So it may be there if you've calved on that area before too. So these new, these first calves are born and you know how calves are. They like to chew on things and they pick up things and there may be potential, you know, if udders are a little dirty or something that they're, they're picking up these pathogens, but those first babies may not show any signs of scours um, just because the pathogen load is there, but it may not be too much that it will make them sick. Uh, so depending on, you know, what you've had in the past, if if there is something there and the calves pick it up, then they may not get sick. However, those calves will actually start to replicate those pathogens in their systems and pass more bugs into the environment. So this is called the process of amplification. So we're just amplifying the amount of bad things that potentially could get into the next calves that are coming. So you continue through your calving season. And these calves that were first born are getting older and potentially shedding more pathogens. And then there's new babies that hit the ground that, uh, again, their immune system is, is very small. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's immature. And so they're starting to pick up those pathogens that their calves before them have passed. And they start to amplify more bugs and pass it on until we get to a point where there's too much um, too much pathogens in the environment. The amplification is too great. And now these calves immune systems cannot overcome the challenge that they've been given. And then that's when we see the clinical signs of scours. So it's just kind of a 
kind of, you know, a domino process as it continues to go. And the, the more that you get in there, um, you know, the more your stocking density increases, especially if you're talking about calving in one big lot. Also, there's factors such as if weather. We all know weather plays a role during calving season. And so if we get a lot of moisture, um, you know, a lot of swings in temperature, and then those, those bugs just continue to replicate, and then we just continue to get sick calves. So that's, that's the basis of how scours starts. One of the things you talk about in the article to help prevent scours is tied to what we commonly call in Nebraska, the Sandhills calving method, which it was started because of some work done in the Sandhills. Interestingly, from my perspective, it was in herds that were calving on pasture. It wasn't in a dry lot scenario, but actually herds that were calving later in the spring were actually having some significant scour outbreaks, you know, May, June type calving cows. And they identified by shifting how they were managing those cows. So cows that had not calved were being taken away from groups of cows that had calves at side and leaving these cohorts together that were basically, you know, 10 days to two weeks of a window uh, and actually having a significant impact then on, you know, the impact of scours. Uh, share with us just your perspective on on how that can apply in a lot of different scenarios, why that works and how might producers think through that as they think about their own situations. Yeah, so I mean that that really is breakthrough in in scours prevention when when Sandhills calving method came out and in a perfect scenario you have those calves if you could split uh, I think the paddocks or the pastures were split into eight or something similar to that but you're you're the the whole idea is that you're keeping like you had mentioned those calves in the same age group so we're just trying to mimic the amount of ampli amplification the same across all those calves that are in that area. So the, the two weeks they stay together and then you're moving your heavies out. So it's a little different than pairing out, but this is where you want to consider moving your heavies out where you're just restarting your calving season in a new area. So the two concepts are calves are the same age and you're going to restart calving in the same area. So in my, in my area here in South Central Nebraska, we don't some, some people may be blessed, but you know, I'm, I'm not blessed with thousands of acres of, of grass to be calving out on. However, that doesn't mean I can't follow this concept by, by using a little bit of creativity. So you, you basically just look at the area that you're calving in and think to yourself, how can I split this up to get those age groups of calves together to the best of my ability to try and get them similar um, in groups? So, so again, the same concepts age of calves are together and you're going to calve on a new area. So this is where, you know, if you preg checking your cows comes into play, uh, knowing when they're going to calve is, is really helpful because then you can pre-plan before calving season to say, okay, this is where I'm going to split my, my heavies out. This is, these are my areas to calve in. Um, you know, for us, it, it's as simple as it's simple. <laughs> I say simple, but it does take some work, but but it's it, what we do is you can split, we split a lot. So we have waterer and we can split down the middle of the waterer and we keep, you know, so many calves on one side. And then I take the heavies and move them to the other side if they haven't calved yet. So we're just, again, replicating those two concepts of age and new area. Um, so this is where, you know, it, it's hard sometimes, I think, when you've always done the same thing to look at where you have been calving. Um, but maybe getting somebody in there to to help you or just taking a step back and looking and saying, how how can I split this up if I've had if I have had that scour issue year after year? Because we know how 
frustrating that is to try and, you know, treat and, and watch and um, treatment isn't always as, you know, we, we don't always get what we want out of the treatment, unfortunately. So if you've had an issue in the past, just take a look at where you have been calving and how can I replicate those two concepts to try and decrease the amount of amplification in these calves to keep them separate so that we can try and, and minimize the amount of scours. So it's very doable. Uh, you know, you don't, you don't have to have thousands of acres of grass. It's, it's just depends on where you're at and, and what works best for you. And that may even be just two lots. And if that's the case, then, then that's, you know, that's better than just one altogether too. Well, as I think about what often happens with, you know, cows, often the first part of the calving season, you know, the first 30 days, sometimes we'll get 60, 70% of the calves born in those first 30 days. So there, there's some timing that happens in terms of the volume of calves we're getting. And then as most producers know, it's as the, at the tail end, you're like, are we ever going to be done? <laughs> there's always those, yeah. there's always those handful that just hang on. And so just thinking about that as well, as far as your calving distribution, when are calves coming? And then maybe thinking about that also with this segregation could be helpful. Yeah, definitely. See, one of the things we talked about in the article was also limiting stress. And so we know, we know that these calves, and we've talked about this multiple times about the immune system and how stressful events really put a toll on these calves. And there are ways to try and limit stress during calving. And, and we all probably have ways that work for us. One way we talked about in that article was some sort of area for the calves to go to possibly get away from the cows, especially if you're in a lot situation, uh, you know, it's kind of kind of like a, a calf daycare area or um, fencing off a corner or a shelter or something that the calves can go to that the cows can't get to. And, and those are, those are great and very helpful and most time needed, uh, especially if you're getting some moisture, some weather, and if cows are fed in the same area, we know that the mud and the manure builds up there. But the thing just to, to remember um, is that those areas need to be monitored just as much as any other place. So um, shelters can, can unfortunately be a source of pathogen amplification on their own, just because if the calves are really in there and there's a lot of moisture and no ventilation and no sunshine, um, you know, that can potentially work against our goal of trying to keep them healthy. You know, if you have the potential to move your, move your calving shed, that's really helpful. Uh, sunshine will do wonders. So getting it, getting it exposed and kind of changing it out and potentially changing bedding if you need to, just, just making sure that you monitor those spots so that you stay on top of, um, you know, we want those to be helpful and not hurtful. Yeah. One of the things your co-author wrote in this or didn't write in the article, but it's mentioned to me, Dr. Halden Clark said, you know, if you drop to your knee inside of the shed and it comes up and it's damp, that's a signal to you. You need to do something there in terms of getting that cleaned out. And I, that's kind of a quick and dirty way, but a lot of us have crawled into a shelter and come out with wet knees and that's it. Yep. That's an indication that something needs to be done because that's not a very good situation in terms of preventing pathogens from prolificating in that kind of environment. Definitely. Yeah, that's a great, yes. Dr. Clark talks about that a lot and it is a really easy way to kind of look at it. And you just, you just think, we know that days with sunshine and when the wind blows just a little are, are good, uh, you know, it makes us feel better, but it's the same thing for those shelters. We just need to make sure we get that ventilation going in there and we keep it clean. One of the other things you mentioned in the article is just working with your veterinarian. If you're having an outbreak to get a test on what is the actual pathogen that's causing the scours. Talk a little more about that and why that's important. Yeah. So um, 
you know, if you have, you can do the best prevention and you still may have an issue. And, and I understand that. So there are a few little tricks and your veterinarian can definitely help you with some sort of uh, protocols to get through these situations. But it's really important to remember that scours isn't just bacteria. So it's not something that you can just treat with an antibiotic and hope it gets better. So there are types of bacteria that can potentially be there, but there's also viruses and protozoa that we had talked about. And they all affect calves at different ages. So it's really important to know, um, you know, if you do call your vet and you, you tell them what's going on to know when that calf was born. So keeping records, because that really helps save you, um, you know, you can run, you can run diagnostics and you can send in fecal samples and you can try and get the, the full answer, which potentially you may need to do, but you can also try and, and troubleshoot on the farm based on age and how that calf is doing. So we know that um, bacteria, so the, the bad ones like E. coli and salmonella, these are going to affect those babies really early. First five days of life is when we see it. And most of the time, um, you know, unless we have a major problem, we're probably seeing something not bacteria related. So rota, coronavirus, those are viruses that will affect the way that the intestines absorb nutrients from the milk. So you potentially will see, you know, those large volumes of diarrhea. Um, there may or may not be blood involved, just depends on how much damage was done to the intestinal lining at that point. But we also know that protozoa, so coccidia and uh, cryptosporosis, those are just little tiny parasites that can also cause problems that we, um, you know, we may see some blood, you may not. So it's really important to to kind of, you know, take a look at that calf, know when it was born, um, try honestly just like looking around the lot or the pin and seeing piles of, of diarrhea. And that really will give you an idea. If you see big green or, or big uh, gray piles of, of feces, that is usually an indicator of acidosis. So we've talked about acidosis before during um, dystocia or calving issues. This one's a little different. So this is a metabolic acidosis, but it still does the same thing. And that is where it depresses the, the central nervous system, makes them really weak. Um, they're getting that because when they have diarrhea, they're losing all kinds of electrolytes and their main buffer, which is bicarb. So bicarb is really important to try and keep that blood level at that happy pH and if we lose that in diarrhea, then you start to get that, that acidic area. So they get really weak. Those are the calves that are possibly not standing anymore. Definitely won't have a suckle reflex. Um, so you can test that by, you know, just sticking your fingers in their mouth and seeing. But if, if you've got babies that are having lots of diarrhea, definite weakness, their eyes are sunken, they're not standing up, they definitely will need more than just you know, an, an electrolyte replacement. So this is where you want to talk to your veterinarian. Um, most of these calves are going to need some sort of IV therapy to get them over it. But if you if you have a plan and you kind of you kind of can say, okay, my calf is this old. This is what the diarrhea is, but this is what the calf looks like. Uh, I think it'll really help you as far as what what do I need to do. So we want to. You know, there may be a time that antibiotics are warranted. I, I will admit that, but it's not a majority of the time. So the main concept is just to replace those electrolytes, replace that bicarb that they're losing in the diarrhea 
to give them the energy to get back up and keep going. And then the other the other part of it, too, um, when you're working with that plan is to remember that these calves have had quite a bit of damage to their intestinal lining. So even if they have been um, you've treated them, they've been at the clinic or you've, you've got them on IV fluids or something, you know, coming home doesn't necessarily mean they're out of the woods. So they have to a lot of times, you know, a lot of their intestinal lining has been severely damaged. So they have to replace that. So they're going to take some extra, you know, an extra time to really recover before they're better, you know, or back to 100% normal that it was before. So keep that in mind that it's not just a, you know, 24 hours and they're kicked back out. They're definitely something you want to keep good records of, uh, monitor closely while they repair their body to, to get back to full status. So one of the things we talk about whenever we're looking at a situation like this is obviously addressing the problem that's immediate, the calf that's scouring. But uh, you and the other team there at the Great Plains Veterinary Education Center have really emphasized to me, you know, we really need to think about a herd health plan. We need to really take a step back and say, why have we ended up in this situation? What are the contributing factors? And then, you know, working with a veterinarian to not only just treat the problem right now, but think about how can we prevent this in the future? Yeah. So if if you're in the middle of a, you know, you're in the middle of calving or you're in the middle of dealing with a scours problem right now, it's hard to say, okay, what am I going to do next year? And <laughs> think about that because you're just living in the moment, which is understandable. But when, when it passes, uh, you know, and then hopefully there's green grass ahead and we see pastures and we're out. If there is a, there's a time to think about, I always, I like the summertime just because it's still kind of fresh after calving, but you're, you're like, we, we had this problem um, we, you're working with your veterinarian, how can you do something to prevent this from happening next calving season? So really, you know, don't try and push it off. I know it's easy to want to forget it, but just keep that in your mind that let's, let's set up some sort of prevention um, because that's going to get us much farther than trying to keep up with the treatment. Anything else on this topic you'd like to focus on today? I think we covered most of it. Well, for more information on the topic that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, I would encourage you to visit the beef.unl.edu website. Again, the title of the article we discussed, Understanding Scours.